Hi, my name's Jackson McMurray. My name's Adeline McMurray. And this is No Nerds Allowed. If you're a nerd, get out. That was really good. I think that went well. I started using this new search engine on my browser, which is called. Well, it's called Ecosia, and it. I started using it because their whole thing is like for every however many searches you do, they like plant a tree, and it like keeps a little tally in the corner that's like how many searches you've done and how many trees you've planted, and it's like. Okay, that's good. That's cool enough. I mean, I don't think planting trees is really our number one priority right now, but it's better than. Yeah. Google, which is not doing anything for anybody. Yeah, so it's the like, Google's planted zero trees. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, sure, fine, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll be on board with this because it doesn't cost anything to me. Um, the thing about it, though, is that it's a worse search engine yeah. than Google. It's a very much worse search engine than Google. Half the time, I just open it up and type Google into it and then <laughs> do whatever I need to do from Google. Yeah. See, that's... What, who is, I think it's Bing that does the commercial that's like, are you getting screwgled? And it's just like, <laughs> first of all, that's the worst catchphrase on the planet. Second yep. of all, it's just like, the reason that Google is so popular, because all of the search engines are free. It's popular <laughs> right. because it's the only good one. Cause it, yeah, because like, it's the best one. Yeah. It's like, do you want people to use your thing? Get good at the thing it's supposed You've to do. You've just got to make sure that it works as well as Google. And yeah. surprise, nobody's figured it out. Yeah, fucking Bing. God. <laughs> um, I, uh, okay, so I'm recording in Salt Lake City today. Because uh, I'm here visiting my girlfriend, Anna McGuire. Um, Woo! And, Name drop. Yeah, and her room is a nightmare. And so, and she <laughs> is not home. And she doesn't listen to this podcast, so I'm going to take this moment to just, like, fucking put her on blast. Are you ready? <laughs> okay, great. Uh, she has this little standing desk. Or not standing desk. She has this, like, sitting desk that I'm sitting at where you, like, sit on the floor. Uh, it sucks oh, and it yeah. hurts my back very much. Um, yeah. It's very hot in her room, and she only has a little portable air conditioner that makes the room very, very humid. Boom. Roasted. Um, uh, humid? Yeah, because it runs on water. You have to put water into it. Oh, and it turns out that's cold just air. a humidifier. Yeah, it's a humidifier, but it's a the cold version of that. That sucks. I hate that. And it also doesn't work that well, so it's just hot and humid in here. Boom, roasted. Great. Oh, by the way, we were moving Dad to Kennewick uh, yesterday, and guess how many humidifi- hum- humidifiers we have? How many humidifiers do we have? We have three humidifiers in this house. I saying... said it differently every single time, but we have three of them. A, a humidifier. Humid. Nope. <laughs> humidifier. 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 We have three of them. Right. Um. What else? What else could I put my girlfriend on blast for? Everything in there is light blue. Boom, roasted. Yeah, boom, roasted. It's all blue in here. Um, I watch YouTube. I'm supportive. <laughs> I watch her videos. Yeah, true. Um, that's kind of it. I feel like I had something else that I was thinking I was going to say when I thought I was going to do this bit, but now I can't remember what it is. If I think of it later, I'll, I'll jump back in. Great. 
be talking about cinematography and you're like, another thing I don't like about the room that I'm in. Oh, um, I had... I oh, had a... also, I'm underneath... She has this loft bed that her desk is underneath of. Yeah. Um, so I'm just, like, under her bed right now, and there's, like, a whole bunch of stuff that's just, like, duct-taped together really haphazardly, which makes me feel slightly unsafe. Okay. So if we hear the sound of you getting crushed <laughs> in the middle of the recording... Right. I mean, I guess... I mean, presumably she's been sleeping on it for a while, so I guess it's probably <laughs> fine. It's got... Are you willing to take that chance, though? <laughs> so, um, Adeline, what movie did we watch today? We watched Anastasia, because we talked about it last week, and then I was like, I have a lot more to say about Anastasia, because it's a <laughs> weird film, so then we're just going to talk about it today mm-hmm. on this episode of Unsolved Cinematography. Crimes, crimes of film. Film crimes. Grindelwald. <laughs> Anastasia Two, the crimes, crimes of, of Grindelwald. Grindelwald. The crimes of what's the name of the bad guy? Rasputin. Rasputin. Hey, so <laughs> I, I don't know to say, a lot Why about... is Rasputin the bad guy? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, listen, I don't know that much about Russian history. I don't know a lot about the revolution that kicked out uh, the czars. Uh, I do know that it was, like, a people's revolution, though. Like, it was a choice that the people made to, like, get right. the rulers out of the country. And, like, d- d- justifying murder is never what you can do. You shouldn't justify murder. But, like, I feel like this movie really is just, like, man, the rich people are the heroes. This princess. Right, yeah. Like, sc- well, screw whatever the people were trying to do with their revolution. Yeah, no, that's one of the first things I wrote down is it's, like... <laughs> The first thing I, basically what I said is I wrote down, oh no, how sad that your people revolted against you. How rude of them. I <laughs> like, know. No, they don't even touch like, on why they did that at yeah. all. They're just like, Rasputin to put a spell on them and they attacked. And it's like, no, I think you did that, some shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's kind of partially your fault they did yeah, that. Yeah, you did something. People like, don't at just least. do that for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's not like a house party. They didn't all just, like, show up one day, and they're like, well, time to light the castle on fire. (laughs) So this movie is directed by uh, Don Bluth and Gary Goldman, who I can only assume is Gary Oldman's evil twin. Yeah, Um, no, it is. Which... Canon. And, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just expect better from Don Bluth. I don't know. Okay, hot take. Anyone who was born in the 80s is about to sacrifice me. But, like... I don't like Don Bluth all that much. I feel like he's a, just a little bit of a sexist. Well, yeah, you that's feel true. Me? That's that's definitely definitely true. Um, yeah. But what about Land Before Time, Adeline? I don't like Land Before Time. You don't like Land Before Time? I haven't seen it in a really long time. I couldn't say. It's a say. boring film. Oh, that's a bummer. I loved that movie when I was a kid. Actually, I didn't uh, yeah, love that movie I when ha- I was a kid. I loved all the straight-to-VHS spinoffs we had when I was a kid. I don't know if I we ever yeah. even really watched the original one. Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. I love Feifel. And oh, Feifel goes west, west, that's right. But that's... <laughs> but that's different. Uh, Feifel goes west say, has a special little place in my heart, and all other Don Bluth films, I just, like, can be nothing to me. Well, I was looking at his filmography. He didn't direct Feifel goes west. He only directed an American tale. I don't think he was involved. Oh, then in he could the go sequels. fuck himself. Fuck Don Bluth. <laughs> um... <laughs> 
Uh, I, take, okay. I take back everything I just said. Fuck Don Blues. So, so the first thing I wrote down after that joke about Gary Goldman, that very good yeah. joke, um, was there's this moment where the woman is handing Anastasia that little jewelry box, and it's like yeah. definitely just like this JPEG of a jewelry box yeah. that they're manipulating. No. This movie has so many weird, like, 3D objects that they just, like, throw in there and expect you not to notice. Or right. maybe they expect you to, like, compliment them on their use of 3D objects. I can only but, like, imagine it was just easier. Like, the ones I, I remember guess, is there's yeah. one where it's, like, a door closing, and there's one where it's, like, yeah. a picture frame somebody picks up and, like, tilts down. So I can only assume that it's easier to just, like, render a 3D object and tilt it rather than have to like animate it frame by frame and have to draw it separately if you're tracing uh uh human actors doing a performance anyway why aren't you just going to trace that 3d object movement so that everything looks the same you know like you're already tracing stuff just trace everything yeah but yeah well because the music box is 3d the rasputin's evil vial of green goo is a 3d object Uh, oh is it i didn't notice that one yeah, no, during the one song where they're teaching Anastasia how to be a princess and they're riding the bikes, uh, the bikes are literally just, like, 3D JPEGs. And oh, it, really? like, you can, you can see, like, the edges of it, like, getting, like, fried. Like, it's bad. Oof. Oh, I gotta go back and look at it. I gotta go back yeah, and look no, at I, it. Yeah, no, I, like, just, like, wonderful. stopped for a second, and I was like, ugh. And they, they're, they're specifically shot so that you can't see them pedaling, so they don't have to show the wheels turning, and it's right. definitely just, like, a JPEG. Yikes. Yeah. Um, so, th- I already shit all over the movie for this last week, but it's rotoscoping, where they're taking a real-life actor's performance and they're tracing over it. But this movie doesn't understand what looks good in animation and what looks good in an actual performance. Like, all of the character movements are just, like, a little off or a little janky or, like, they move too much or they don't connect all the way. It looks like Sonic 06 because all of the characters in Sonic 06 are just people in animation suits. Right. No, yeah. It's weird. And that's totally it. Like, they don't interact with their environments in a perfect way. And they, like, um, when they're just, like, talking, they don't they don't seem to like stay in exactly one point in space. They kind of like wiggle back and forth a little bit as they just like sort of talk and it's super jarring and doesn't look good. But here's the thing about it is that like, if you did the entire movie that way, it wouldn't be so big a deal. It would still be kind of jank and weird, but it would be sort of acceptable because the whole thing is that way. There are entire characters in this movie that are not at all rotoscoped and they look completely different than the rotoscoped characters and a lot better also yeah no true and i mean that's the thing is that don bluth is a really talented animator and he has a really distinct style and those um you know not to imply that don bluth just sat down and drew this whole thing himself but like oh because he um, did (laughs) but uh like the there's all these characters that like feel like they belong in an animated movie and they stay in one spot when they move and they like have really distinct mannerisms and they move in an like in an exaggerated cartoonish way because it's an animated film and that's what works and the main characters just don't they just act like regular people in the real world and the fact that everybody else around them is like just a little bit elastic and stretchy and they are not at all is super duper weird 
Well, that's another one of my criticisms of Don Bluth, is he does that thing where the two main characters are totally attractive, totally normal people, and then everyone else is super stylized. Right. So, like, that's just another part of it. It's like, oh, our our main characters have to be perfect and likable, and everyone else is just ugly for mm-hmm. comedic effect. And it's right, like, okay. Yeah. Um, and, like, just as well, like, just the camera work in this movie is so weird. Yeah. Like, it... It just, it feels, I mean, okay, here's what I'll say. A lot of it gets a lot better by the last, like, 40 minutes or so. Oh, true. Yeah, totally. Um, but at least in the beginning, um, the, or maybe you just get used to it, I don't know. But um, <laughs> It's Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> right. But, uh, like, the camera work feels so, like, I don't even know how to describe it, just jarring. Like, if it were a live-action regular movie... People would have caught on to it, like, super early and been like, this is bad. Like, the cinematography is super whack, and your editing yeah. and cutting is super weird, and it just yeah. doesn't... It it has this weird subconscious effect on you. Yeah. No, I was... I think it's the shot right before Once Upon a December, where she's, like, walking up the stairs, and, like, the camera, like, goes above her, but, like, not perfectly centered, and does this weird, like, kind of spin around... That would have been impressive if they hadn't just made it a 3D object that they were right. moving. Would have been impressive it like, if it looked good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. so the next thing I have written down is like, okay, so the whole point of this movie is that like Anastasia grew up in the castle, but then when her family was killed, she went off to an orphanage and she doesn't remember her life before. But the yeah. sequence where they show you Anastasia as a kid, like in the palace, she looks uh-huh. like fully 12 years old. Yeah. Um, like, much, much, much too old to not remember anything about living in a castle. Uh, but Jackson, she was running after the train and fell down, so she lost all of her memory. Is that what happens? Yes, that's why she loses her memory. It's because she real? falls down after the train. Yeah. She hits her head and gets amnesia? Yeah, yeah, dog. Oh, okay. Yikes, that sucks. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> Fine, good enough. Um, so... Going back to why the hell is Rasputin the villain of this movie? Like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Rasputin was a freaking bonkers individual. He was right. crazy. But to, they don't even like, talk about how he had two dicks or whatever it was that he did. Yeah, or how he did sex magic or how it took, like, right. four guys seven tries to kill him. Right. But anyway, he did fall Was that the thing the that lake. he told people he had two penises? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. They should have given him two dicks in this movie. That is yeah. non-negotiable. No. He falls in a lake and he dies. But the Rasputin, I know, got poisoned by cake, got shot in the chest, <laughs> got beaten up, got thrown into a carpet, and then thrown in a river and died. Like, come on, Anastasia. Right. But, like, yeah, Rasputin never sold his soul to the devil or whatever they say that he does in this movie. <laughs> right, yeah. He just, he just fucked a lot and people hated him. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, the, and yeah, I don't know, Rasputin just looks like he's from a different movie, also. Yeah, no. He There's like that ending scene, else. that ending scene when Anastasia, like, tackles him and they're fighting, and it's just like, it looks so weird because it looked like a real-life human person fighting, like, Jafar from Aladdin. Like, it just right, didn't yeah. look right. And, like, just on that note, this is way later in the movie, but the fact that, like, after they kind of figure everything out, like, the last 20 minutes 
is like the big climactic, like not quite fight scene, but like action sequence where they're like defeating Rasputin once and for all doesn't really work because Rasputin isn't really the main antagonist of this movie. No, because he hasn't been the main problem. The main problem exactly. has been this journey that they've been on. Right, precisely. And like it it just doesn't feel weird because it feels like everything that we're like invested in and care about has been figured out already. Yeah. And then I like mean, Go ahead. Well, I mean this the fight with Rasputin is that Dimitri comes back to save her, and it's like, oh, they could. She's not going to be princess. She chooses to be with him, which is stupid, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> so she's. It's like, oh, this is him. This is them, like reuniting, and also Rasputin is there, and he's trying to kill both of them. I guess. Right. Yeah. It's. I don't know. It's just like it feels like this tacked on extra bit. That's like, this could have been shorter. Like, just I don't know the. Once everything gets figured out, like, you just sort of check out from the story. You're like, cool, great. Like, she found her mom, and she's going to live happily now, and they fall in love, and that's all super great. And you're like, cool, good stuff. And then it's like, oh, also, here's this dead guy they have to kill. And you're like, okay. (laughs) like you know, Great, I love killing old men. Right. It's like, the stakes are high on paper, but if you are already, like, done with the story, the stakes don't matter to you at all, you know? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, do you have anything before, um, she starts walking around in the snow? Mm, uh, I have something for, uh, there's a rumor in St. Petersburg, because there is so much group choreography in that musical, and it's a, it's a good song. Like, the music in this movie is not bad. It's all pretty good. Yeah. Except for Journey Through My Past, which sucks so hard. <laughs> I don't even remember song. any of the music, to be honest. I watched it this morning. One step at a time. Is, is that the one she sings in the, in the ballroom? No, it's the one where she's walking around the snow after she leaves the orphanage and she finds her emo anime dog. Oh, right. Uh, I don't know. It's that was okay honestly you know what that was my favorite song i think really that song is horrible i (laughs) I don't know if the song is or is it just the animation that's going on during the song that sucks well that's the thing uh that's what i wrote down is um well before that i love that moment where she sits down and she's just like i wonder what i should do over there is St. Petersburg, but I want to go to Paris. I'd love for someone to just... And she just, like, sits down and talks to herself for, like, three minutes. You're like, Jesus. Yeah. Um, Anastasia, God. Right, and that's the worst thing about moments like that, is that, like, we we already know all that stuff. Like, it's yeah. one thing if you have to, like, really force exposition when it's something you don't already know. But, like, she could have just not said anything. She could have just yeah, not said anything at all. Well, she could have, like, been, like, walking where she was supposed to go and then, like, have a second where she looks the other way and then she just kind of sits down in the snow because she doesn't know what to do. And that would have been great. That yeah, would've it would have been, been perfectly fine. And, I don't know, this movie is, like, exactly 90 minutes long, so I'm sure they had to pad out the runtime. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I, my favorite part about this movie is that we see that Anastasia's been living in a orphanage her whole life. And the orphans really like her as she's leaving to go get a job. She's like, bye, everybody, love you. Uh, and then we never fucking see those orphans ever again. <laughs> right. And she's not even like, now that I'm a princess, I can help the orphanage. No, we just never talk about them ever right. again. Um, and the, uh, okay, so then, yeah, I wrote down, this song is pretty good, 
but it's way too long and nothing is happening on screen. Oh yeah, no, she's just walking around and talking to animals. Like that's just what's walking happening. around. She looks at a family at one point and says, hmm, "I wonder if I could ever have a family." And then she like talks to some animals and kicks some snow around. And yeah. it's like four minutes. It's like a four. And minute then she does the big Broadway, happens. takes her hat off and spreads her arms out at the top of the hill yeah. while we see the city in the distance. Like, yeah, that's such and that a Broadway shot, pose. I know, and that shot at the end where she hits that big climactic note is like fully like twenty seconds of exactly the same shot. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> where yeah. nothing is happening on screen, you're just listening to that big note and looking at the city, and it's just totally still for like fifteen seconds. Well, there's the shot before that where she's, like, singing and walking towards the camera, but they're just, like, tracing this woman just, like, standing in front of the camera while she walks, and it looks so bad. Yeah. Man, this movie is not good. Um, Yeah. I I really enjoy the music of this movie. Like, I feel like they did a great job with the music, except for this song, The Journey Through My Past, or whatever it's called. It's so boring and bad and doesn't do anything <laughs> for anything. Right. I was going to say, and then also, right after that, they jump right into... Oh, wait, was St. Petersburg first? Yeah, it's St. Petersburg and then Journey Through My Past and then Once Upon December. Right. At that point, I wrote down, there's too many fucking songs in this movie. Yeah, there's a lot of songs in this movie. Um, but also, Anastasia's hair length, like, changes four times during this movie. Right, yeah, for sure. Because she has that, like, updo in her hat, and then later she gets her Princess Ariel haircut, and they're trying to tell you that she's had the same haircut this whole time, but, like, right. no. She she grew her hair out in between those two scenes. <laughs> You can't um, lie to me, movie. Okay, so the scene where the two, like, con men meet Anastasia in the old abandoned castle is yeah. maybe the most awkward, stilted, weird piece of dialogue in cinema history. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. It's There's something that's just so weird about it. And the way that they talk to each other and the way that they're acting and the fact that it's traced over, especially considering that their faces look super weird at all times. Oh, and yeah. And they don't oh, yeah. have... And just because it's just, like, traced like that, there's not, like, a consistent character model, it feels like. Oh, yeah. Um, no, during that... I noticed this so much. During the scene where they're at the ballet and, like... Anastasia's like in her like Disney Cinderella like this is like her iconic dress with like the sparkles down her back and like during that whole scene her face is like too narrow like noticeably more narrow than it's been in any other part of the film but that's just like what she looks like for the rest of the film and I was like "Uh, totally hey guys that's a way off model it's yeah no it's super inconsistent um but yeah and also (laughs) there's this moment in that scene that is so wild where, like, Anastasia says something, and the dog is barking, and they cut to the two guys whose names I don't care about, um, and Eric they say Andre. something... Eric Nobody's named Eric Andre in this movie. Um, Are you sure? They cut to them, and they say something, and they cut back to Anastasia, and then, like, while Anastasia is talking, you hear the young hot guy say, like, what's this dog? Oh, it's a cute dog. Good dog. Like underneath what Anastasia is saying and they cut back to him and he's holding the dog. <laughs> and Good dog. Just, I like this dog. I'm going to like, hold this dog. <laughs> the weirdest. Like, I would say editing. I don't know if that's quite the same terminology the in an terminology. animated movie like this. 
but like it's the weirdest botched editing job. Like it's so yeah. funny. I I adore the song Once Upon a December. I think it's a great song and it tells you a lot about Anastasia's character and they make some really cool animation choices in this part with like the sparkles and her dress transformation and the like dancing couples coming out of the paintings. Right. Like in theory, that's an awesome scene. And like in my head, I had it like built up as like really good animation. But then when I just like sat down and looked at it, like there was there's literally a shot where Anastasia's like first of all, she's like skiing. Second of all, <laughs> right. she's like running in between these couples and two of the couples directly right next to each other are literally just the same animation mirrored. <laughs> right. And I was like, "Oh, come on, guys." I, just, is, I don't know. It feels just kind of done before, too. I don't know. Like, I, I didn't really... find myself being really impressed by the ideas in it. I was just like, yeah, she's yearning for her old times and all the old people that used to be there dance around. It's like Haunted Mansion. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, doesn't that happen in Beauty and the Beast? Kind I don't know. Of, it just doesn't really. feel... I mean, I guess probably... I don't know. I don't know if anybody's done, like, exactly that same thing before. But it just... I don't know. It just feels kind of rote to me. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's, I, because this film is so weird and because Rasputin is the villain of it, while, like, <laughs> right. the A plot is so realistic and then the B plot is so nonsensical, to have right. this kind of nostalgic, just kind of, like, ballroom scene was really nice. Because we don't that's really fair. get another one of those in this princess movie at any other time, you know? Right, that's like, true. Like, in Tangled, there's the there's the scene where they're all dancing around the courtyard, like in Cinderella, Cinderella and the prince dance, and Beauty and the Beast, the Beast and and Belle get to dance. Like, there isn't one of those scenes in this movie, so to have this, like, really nice kind of dream sequence really pretty scene where it's just kind of big and dramatic and, like, not super original, but just, like, nice was yeah. very nice. Like, I felt yeah. like that's something that the movie needed. I think that's fair. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you but know, there's sort of a... Just gloss right over the fact that she had three sisters who were all dead. Oh. Like, <laughs> they talk about it, but it has no emotional impact well, on Anastasia. Well, she hit her head. She doesn't remember them. Yeah, she doesn't remember. Uh, they talk about them later, and she's just like, oh, they used to make fun of me. Anyway, <laughs> what's up, Jima? Uh, <laughs> um, okay, let's see. Oh, uh, so now we're down and we meet that annoying little bat that Hank Azaria voices. Yeah, but the movie really wants you to think it's funny because yeah. he literally does nothing else in the film. And he's, like, doing that weird Jewish affectation, and you're like, yeah. man, Hank Azaria just, like, just killing it with the ethnic affectations <laughs> in yeah. his voice roles. Um, the thing with all of, like, the side characters in this film, like the dog, whose name I think is Paco... Puka? It's Puka. <laughs> like, the dog and the bat friend is, like, these are, like, such overdone character tropes, like, especially by Don Bluth. Like, here's the bumbling funny sidekick, and here's the cute animal that's friends with the princess. Right. And, like, those character tropes are fine if they actually, like, do something in the film. Right. But neither of those characters literally do anything. Like, uh -huh. they just don't. Yeah, no, they have the dog no has, effect on the story. The dog serves no purpose, and Hank Azaria's weird little bat gremlin is just annoying. Like, sorry. And, what's up with, like, the very last shot of the movie where the <laughs> pink bat comes out and just starts making out with the white bat? 
And then he's like, oh, man, you guys better get out of here. He, like, pulls down the curtain, <laughs> implying they're about to fuck. Like, yeah, like, that's textbook Don Bluth, a weird, like, last sex, last second sexism. It's like, what right. are you doing, man? <laughs> Why did you make this? Um, you didn't rotoscope <laughs> this. You drew this. This came from your mind. Why did right. you do this? Um... Okay, and I like his little bug minions. They don't really show up later, but I think it's fun. Yeah. Like they they give it a good like creepy crawly gross out sort of vibe that I that well, I appreciate. It just my problem with that with his bug friends is that it just makes him oogie boogie. Like yeah, bug minions have been done before, you know. I don't know. I still think they but oogie boogie didn't have bug minions. He was just made out of bugs. He had a bug aesthetic. Yeah, but his bugs weren't, like, his little cronies, his little henchmen. Well, the bugs don't do anything in the film either, Jackson, so you yeah, gotta pick I mean, a that's, side here. That's true. That's true enough. Um, <laughs> I like the idea of it. I thought it was a fun idea. It doesn't amount to anything, but, like, on no. paper, it's, like, bad guy with, like, bugs who, like, go around and do his bidding. Creepy and good. Thumbs up. Um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, and it's just... <sighs> We already kind of talked about this, how the A plot and B plot just, like, don't mix, like, at all. No, there's almost no thematic consistency. I think what they should have done is that the whole plot is that Rasputin is, like, barely hanging on to life and that he'll come... Will he come back to life if he kills Anastasia? Like, if he fulfills the Romanov curse, something gets better for him? I think he will die and he will have rest. Something like that. Yeah. Something He's good still alive happens because to he Rasputin. He didn't fulfill his curse. Yeah. Something good happens to him if he fulfills the curse. Anyway. But, like, because of that, he's, like, this shambling corpse that can't, like, do anything without his magic. And, like, right. that explains why he hasn't been doing stuff for ten years. But, like, when we're, like, in the movie and we, like, need him to be doing things and we need him to be scary... For him to just, like, kind of not being able to do anything kind of, like, totally right. takes away from everything. Yeah, no, I mean, you can feel how, like, fragile and powerless he is. It makes him, like, not yeah. really that scary. Well, and it's, like, even comparing him to Jafar, because he's a D-class Jafar. Because like, he looks exactly the same as that guy that Jafar disguises himself as at the beginning of Aladdin. Yeah, no, it's fucking Jafar. But, yeah, yeah. It's, because, like, comparing it to Jafar, like, Jafar is not, like, he's also a skinny man, he's also an older dude, but the character of Jafar works because he does have strengths that he knows how to use, and at the end of the movie, he's, like, around and doing things and then gets turned into a monster that does things. It's, like, I feel like Rasputin just doesn't have any power, like, whatsoever over anything. You know, Jafar's big action sequence at the end is keeping Aladdin from what he wants, you know? Yeah. By the time you get to the... Like, imagine if, like, Aladdin set the genie free and got together with Jasmine and they got married, and only then did Jafar put Aladdin in the building and shoot him into the Arctic Circle or whatever the fuck happens in that movie. Like... But like you wouldn't, you wouldn't care at all. Like everything you care about would have already been done. And yeah, you would have been, been like, like, "Oh, here's Jafar." Okay, like, yeah. Like, what are we even doing? It's the fact that that yeah. happens, and it's in in order to keep Aladdin from achieving those things that he cares about. You know? Yeah. Well, it's like if you did, the, if we had the happy ending, and then the villain shows up, that's only 
interesting if the hero then loses. Mm-hmm. Because if the villain shows up when everything's great, then we already know that the hero's going to succeed. Because right. it's the end of the movie. I've checked the timestamp. There's five minutes left. Like, <laughs> right, we know. Yeah. But so to have them achieve everything, and then you check the timestamp, and there's an hour left, then that's interesting. Because you know that the, that the hero loses, and they are kept from getting the thing that they want, even though right. they've already had it in their grasps. That's interesting. They didn't do that, though. Right. Okay, so around here we get to that, like, train sequence, right? Yeah. So, um, the... So I kind of like the bit where they're like, oh, they changed the passports, now it's blue ink, and they're like, oh, fuck, we gotta, like, change of plans, we gotta do all this weird stuff. That's kind of fun. I'm down with that. It's a fun bit. Um, and then, okay, so just, just so I'm sure, everybody else on that train fucking died, right? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, definitely. There's no moment no, where they're like, connect? everybody jump off the train or something. No, I, isn't there a part where the luggage and the locomotive disconnect from the rest of the train? Isn't that a part of it? I... Is that not a part of it? Like, I don't remember. four cars went off the cliff. Yeah, yeah, I guess a train yeah. is longer than that usually, though. I don't know. Hold on. <laughs> pulling up the movie. I am pulling up the movie. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, they do. They do yeah. disconnect from the train. The Rasputin's little little gremlins disconnect the train, and it's just the engine and the uh, the car yeah. that they're in, the baggage car. But the still, though, car, there yeah. should have been people in that front car. Oh, yeah, no, the conductor's dead. <laughs> or the engineer, whoever's I in the front of was, the train. They're I dust. guess it was implied that he was destroyed by the flames when... Shit hit the a fan. little bit. Um, there is a part where Dimitri, who's handsome guy, uh, where he like runs in. And he's like, "Hello, is anybody here?" And there's no one there. And like, right. He's like gets like engulfed in flames, and yeah, then no. just like run runs back in into the baggage car. It's like nobody go over there. And it's like okay. <laughs> I know, and it's so intense too. It looks like the way it's animated. It looks like lava spills out of the furnace and like engulfs him. And yeah, then and then he just, to, like, runs back into the other room. Yeah, we just, like, cut to him running into the next room and being like, it's super hot in there, guys. <laughs> Y'all, uh, <laughs> you'll never believe it. And he's not even, like, cartoon singed. He's no. just, like, fine. If he ran back into the room after, a sh- like, a hard cut and he was just, like, covered in, like, dust, that would have been hilarious. But he's just fine. Right. And it's just weird. Um, Again, I gotta say, the, like, 3D animation effects for the train are pretty good. Yeah, those look fine. Well, that's because Um, 3D is often used for cars and trains and stuff that moves like that because they're hard to animate. Like, Steven Universe does that now where all of their cars are 3D animated. But even in those circumstances, they're stylistically animated. But, like, seeing, like, a car or train in 2D animation and being in 3D animation, like, makes sense and your brain isn't like, that looks really weird because you're just kind of used to it. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, so, the next thing I have written down is when they well, I wanna are talk on about, the boat. I want to talk about the train crash a little more because I feel okay. like watching that, that was, like, one of the most enjoyable parts of the movie because it's another part where they, like, actually do something creative, like... Having right. them no, being, yeah, I think so too. being stuck on this train that's going to crash and, like, fall off the bridge and, like, having to figure out how to, like, do it is really cool. And then having the car, like, get, like, latching onto the tracks and, like, turning so- sideways and still just, like, flying off the bridge is, like, super cool as they jump off. Uh, it 
totally does not fit in with the movie at all. Right. But it's really cool. (laughs) That's like Um, if in the middle of Aladdin, uh, Princess Jasmine and Aladdin uh, suddenly get inside of a submarine that starts to implode. Like, (laughs) what are we doing here, guys? (laughs) Um, So, yeah. I just, I want to point out that moment where they learn how to dance on the boat. Yeah. And it's the second most stilted and awkward dialogue in cinematic history. Yeah. Where they, like, ha- so it's, like, their romantic chemistry is, like, kind of forced, but it could be worse. Yeah, it's Just there. in general. Um, but, like, this moment, they're, like, dancing. I don't even remember what the fuck they say. They say something weird, and then Anastasia... With, like, little to no previous indication of this being what she wants, just, like, closes her eyes and leans in to kiss him. And then he also does that, and they both sit there for, like, two solid seconds, like, an inch apart from each other. Yeah. And then what's-his-name, like, is just like, okay, see ya! And it's like, (laughs) what the fuck was that? Like, why did that happen? Hey, guys! Um, Yeah, it's like, god damn it. The, uh... I don't know, it's... Sorry, I need to take a second to formulate the words for this. Because basically the biggest problem... Like, first of all, the things that they say are super whack. I don't remember what they were. No, they say the exact same dialogue from a very Potter musical when Harry and Ginny are dancing. I don't know know if that's intentional on the Harry Potter musical's part. But they're like, man, I'm getting... Wait, is it really exactly the same? They're like, man, I'm getting getting dizzy from all this spinning. And then she goes... Oh, my God. Maybe we should stop spinning. And then they stop and they go, (laughs) we have stopped. But the difference is it's really good in a very Potter musical. That's a great (laughs) scene in a very Potter musical. funny in a very Potter musical. It's not played for comedy even a little bit in this movie. Yeah. Um, That's right. I forgot. God, that's what it was. Um... But yeah, anyway, and then it's like, you know, it's implied that they have some romantic chemistry at this point. Yeah. But the fact that they're just about to make out right there, like, <laughs> is not at all earned. Yeah, well, the fact that they're about to make out, and then Dimitri's like, no, I'm a criminal, I can't make out with you. Right. It's just like, okay. Um, uh, the next thing I have written down is Jewelry Box continues to be a JPEG. <laughs> Yeah, because um, the emo dog gets it out of Dimitri's backpack. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I want to oh, go okay. back to what I think is probably the jankiest bit of dialogue in this whole movie, is where he buys her that blue dress, which is very pretty. I love the costume design in this movie. The costume design is great. Right. And that's, I don't know whose fault that is, but it's very good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> whose fault that is? That there's something good in this movie. I don't know whose fault that is. Right. But... He buys her that blue dress. He's like, it's like this kind of like tender moment. He's like, oh, I bought you this. And she's like, oh, you bought me a circus tent. I'm looking (laughs) for the Russian circus inside of here. And it's like, okay. Wow, is the circus in here? (laughs) Yeah. Wow, check it out. Is there a circus in here? And then Dimitri... Wow, I see a whole bunch of clowns inside this dress. They're all Russian because we're from Russia. And Dimitri's just like, okay, fucking, I yeah. just put it on. And then he just, like, hands her the dress and then, like, walks up the stairs. He's just like, fucking bye. Like, yeah. I would, too. I'd be like, okay, Jesus Christ, I bought this for you. Yeah. Just try not to be a dick about it, like, for, like, even a second. Yeah. <laughs> and then she, like, put, and then she like puts it on and she's like, oh, I'm so pretty. I want Dim- Dimitri to be like, well, you were talking a lot of shit about it a second ago. God. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's not even a big dress. No. Like, <laughs> it's, it's a so regular weird. Like, when she dress. says that, what? at first you think it's going to be a gag where it's like, oh, that woman thing where you buy her clothes but they're too big and you they get offended because yeah. they think you think that they're fat. That's where I thought they were going at first. But then it's not that, and I was like, no. oh, it's olden times, so it's probably just a big puffy dress, so that's what she's making jokes about. And then she puts it on, and it's not even a big puffy dress. No, it's just a regular dress. It's just, like, a, a regular human dress that fits her just fine. Yeah. There's no joke. They didn't. There's yeah, nothing. It, <laughs> There's nothing um, in that scene. Nothing happens. Right. Okay. But one of the, I think my favorite sequence in this movie is the bit where Rasputin, like, casts a spell on her. And she, like, tries to walk off the boat. Yeah, that's super cool. And they, like, intercut cool. between, like, her dream, where she's, like, in a field, chilling out, like, hanging out with people, and her on the boat in the storm trying to, like, jump off. And it's, like, they they keep Anastasia in the same spot in frame, and they, yeah. like, cut back and forth. It's frame matching. Um, and it's super cool. Like, yeah. it's super fun and cool. And I don't think I've ever seen anybody do, uh, do an idea like that quite exactly in that way and i think it like super works it's easily like oh yeah the best like the best part of this movie in my book mm-hmm. yeah and it's i wish this movie like spent some time at all with anastasia's past like how it affects her because she's like right. she knows she has this past that she can't remember and that's about it and then now she kind of thinks that she might be the princess and we have all these scenes where we, like, see her remembering her sisters or remembering her dad. And it just, like, never comes up, ever. Like, in Once Upon right. December, there's, like, this beautiful moment at the end of it where her father, like, comes up and kisses her on the forehead and then, like, lets her go. And it's, like, this super emotional beat. And, like, right. in that scene that you're talking about on the storm on the boat, it's her dad who's, like, telling her to come jump in the water with her and her sisters. Like, there should be an emotional beat there like there should be some like <laughs> right, emotions yeah. and tensions going on in drama but there just isn't any like right not even when we get united with the grandma there's not even she's like oh my son loved you so much there's none of that she's just like hey, <laughs> right. you had some sisters they're dead now anyway yeah she's like huh nice yeah they're like talking about them <laughs> like they moved away and it's like no they got right. murdered during a revolution like yeah <laughs> um uh okay hold on one moment uh this is i don't want to spend a lot of time on this but there's a bit where they cut back to rasputin after that plan fails and his head like falls inside himself and there's the shot of his head like inside his empty rib cage uh, yeah very good it's a good shot it's um, good it sucks though <laughs> um so okay after that they get there and they're like oh the okay this is like story and script wise my favorite the part of the movie that works the best for me when they get there and they really believe that she is Anastasia and they're trying to get the Duchess to see her and she just won't. And they're doing all these things to try to get her to just listen to them. Yeah. I think that like works really well. It's a creative idea and it like, you know, is uh, the central, it brings the central conflict to a head in a really unique way. Yeah. And I think the whole thing like is really well written and I think it works very well. Oh yeah. Um, Backing up there a little is bit. There is, in the middle of it, though... Oh, I was just going to say, there is, in the middle of it, though, a solid 15 minutes where they just go to Paris and shop and sing a song. Yeah. That whole scene... Okay. <laughs> that that song is fine. And it actually has one of the things I, like, most 
creative like decisions in that whole movie is during that whole song where they're in Paris all of the backgrounds are done in like Monet like impressionist painting style right and that's very cool and was very visually intriguing but the song itself is just like oh we're in fucking Paris what's up (laughs) just for like two whole minutes you have like Dimitri is like during that song he realizes that she is Anastasia and he realizes that she he's in love with her. So it's kind of, he is very conflicted. But, like, just, like, nothing in that song mirrors, like, what Dimitri is going through. Like, everyone right, else yeah. is no, just, not like... Dimitri at all. Yeah, everyone else is just like, ooh, fucking Paris. And he's like, wow, I'm going through <laughs> some shit over here. And they're like, we don't care, right, yeah. we're in Paris. Right. Uh, there's this moment that I think is really funny where they have that discussion about, like, oh, we think she really could be Anastasia. And the two guys are like, we have to tell her this isn't right. It's like, tell her what? Like, the thing that she already thinks yeah. is true. The thing that you, you already told her. You also think it's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah at the beginning because, of the movie, I don't know. they're like, we think that you're actually Anastasia. And she's like, okay, sounds great. And so now they're just going to turn around and be like, yo, uh, we actually think you're Anastasia. And she's going to be right. like, uh, yeah. That's what I <laughs> but, came like, I here know. for, guys. I guess the implication is that they didn't really believe that at first. They were just trying to pull a con. Yeah. But, like, it's still... It doesn't change I anything for I feel for like Anastasia. Anastasia kind of... Right, I feel like Anastasia kind of knows that when they approach her, though. Yeah. Like, when they approach her, they're not like, oh, we think you could be her. They're like, how would you like to try this? Maybe you could be her, you know? It's like, yeah. it feels like they're more or less on the same page the whole time. You know, I don't know. Yeah. It just feels weird that, like, like it's cool that they have a moment where they're like, oh, she really, like, for sure actually could be Anastasia. But then the fact that it, like, turns into this weird moral dilemma, like, is just a little bit yeah. off. Because, I don't know, because there always has to be a secret in a movie like this. Yeah, well, because there has to be a secret because the girl has to get mad at boy. And then boy has to right. kidnap girl's grandma in order for it to be <laughs> resolved. Right, that old, that classic Disney trope. Yeah, if you have a grandma um, in Act 1, she has to get kidnapped in Act 3. <laughs> Shorty, no, not Schrodinger's um, grandma, what is it? Chekhov's, Chekhov's grandma. grandma. A grandma, when she's not being observed, a grandma is both simultaneously being kidnapped and not being kidnapped yep. at any given time. Chekhov's um, and... Schrodinger's grandma. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I guess what, there is sort of a reveal for Anastasia when she finds out that they were, like, holding auditions and, like, making an effort to, like, pull this con before, which yeah. she wasn't privy to. But it still feels like a slightly bigger deal than it should be. Because, like I said, it kind of seemed like she had them pretty much clocked when they yeah. when they met. I think it's the fact that it's the Empress being like, hey, there's no fucking way that this girl is Anastasia because you're an asshole. So I feel like it kind of, it's, she may have known the situation, but for to have the lady being like, there's no way that this could be real because you are a phony, kind of like hits Anastasia in that moment, you know? Like, it just kind of like makes the fact that they're taking advantage of her, like really real in that moment for her, you know? Right. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, That being said, I, I am fine with their romance. They do have some chemistry. Like, it does... Yeah. They do grow in a relationship as the movie goes on. I guess I'm just super tired just of all the... 
you're a kitchen boy and I'm a princess. We can't get married. What right. do we do? Yeah, totally. And it's like, okay, I'm also, I'm tired of that, but I'm also tired of, like, romantic leads who start off being, like, not liking each other and being mean to each other, yeah. but then slowly grow yeah, to love each other. Sometimes a girl just doesn't like you, like... <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. It's like, and, you know, it's, I don't know, I guess there's, it's just weird that there's never a story where a girl just, like, doesn't like you, yeah. you know? Like, it seems like in media, whenever a girl's, like, really standoffish to a guy and, like, really dismissive, it's always, like, because she's going to fall in love with him later. It's like, no, sometimes you just don't get along with somebody, Yeah, you women know? don't like everybody. Women sometimes exactly. don't like you, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, uh, oh, so, okay. So, yeah, that whole bit is great. And then eventually they find out they're actually family and they get together and you're like, cool, great, story wrapped up. And then the Rasputin attacks, yeah. whatever. Well, that's the dialogue um, with the grandma when she finally comes in to, like, see if she's the real Anastasia sucks, too. Because Anastasia's like, right. can you tell me if I'm Anastasia or not? Because I think I might be and I've been just been trying to figure out who I am. And she's like, uh, fuck you, you're not Anastasia. And Anastasia's like, oh, okay. And then she's like, you smell just like my grandma did in the castle that I grew up in with my father, who was 34 years old and smelled of lavender. And it's like, okay, why is all of your memory coming back right this second? Like, (laughs) I feel like they should have, this is part of the having any emotional depth to her losing her memory at all. Like, she should have been, like, slowly getting her memory back through the process of becoming the princess. And they do that a little yeah, no, bit so with the line in the song where she's like, oh, I remember this guy had a yellow cat. And they're like, oh, I don't believe we taught her that. Like, they, like, touch yeah, upon it. Yeah, I really it. like that line, actually. Yeah, they, like, touch yeah. upon the fact that she does have some of these memories, like, deep in her subconscious. But it's just, like, I would have liked a more of, like, a slow buildup rather than just when Grandma shows up. She's like, I remember everything. I am Anastasia. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, so the last thing I have written, besides just how much I don't like the Rasputin fight at the end, yeah. um, is that there's that moment where he, like, makes a Pegasus statue come to life, and that kicks ass. Oh, that's dope as hell. Uh, yeah, that's, like, the most badass part of the movie, is that, like, Pegasus statue that starts flying around. It looks awesome. My favorite part of the film, uh, is, uh, Rasputin, like, is throwing Anastasia off the side of the bridge or whatever, and he's like, no one will save you now. And then the guy comes up and goes, wanna bet? And then punches Dressmutin in the face. <laughs> like, that's just what he does. That's his plan. Right. <laughs> just like, that's just like if Frodo just like walked up to Sauron and just like decked him in the face. Right, <laughs> or yeah. It's, it's, it's if Aladdin just punched Jafar. Like, that would have been so good. Right. <laughs> Just yell, fuck um, you, and punch yeah, the wizard. Yeah, so we've we've talked about the ending. Um, do you have any other sort of, like, final thoughts about Anastasia? It It's one of those movies that people see through nostalgia glasses because they liked it when they were I a kid. I absolutely think so. That you do or don't? I do, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, it's not... For what it is, being a low-budget animated movie, it is what it is. It has a cool, fun, original story that they could have handled a lot better. It it has right. fun, great songs. I love the costume design. 
but it just like falls flat on every other level that like a real movie would have like handled like <laughs> right it, like comparing this to like any other like animated kids movie like every other kids movie could like handle all of the things that anastasia like totally sucked at you know like right. actually oh, yeah, totally. animating and drawing a movie like anastasia couldn't handle that any <laughs> right. other animated film could have handled that yeah and on my uh, on my movie app on Letterboxd, um, this movie has a three point six out of five, which is like for for the like zeitgeist of that site is pretty high. Yeah. Um, and I I don't think it deserves that. I like, would give I think... it like a two point three. Like it's not it's not bad. I don't want to shit all over this movie. Like it's not the worst animated movie of all time. It's just not it's just not great. <laughs> Right. No, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, pretty much I th- feel the same way. Like, there are some things that it does well, for sure, but there's a lot of stuff that it super doesn't, yeah. and I feel like... And, and it feels like it's the basic stuff that it doesn't get right, like camera work <laughs> right, and yeah. character expressions. Like, we, right. I didn't get to say this, but, like, all of the characters all the time have these weird, like, wrinkles around their mouths or their eyes or their noses that, like are totally regular wrinkles to see on a real-life human being, but that they come across weird on animation or make their expressions weird. Like, it's just, like, not knowing how to rotoscope in, like, an efficient and good way. Like, I, it's just right, it's weird. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to start with your secondary thing, or do you want me to? I can start with my secondary thing. My, Do it. my secondary thing is an indie cartoon called Bee and Puppycat. Now that I say that out loud, I feel like I might have done this on an early episode, but... Uh, no, you did Cucumber Quest. That's right. That's a comic book. That's a different thing. But, yeah. So, Bee and Puppycat is an animated show done by Cartoon Hangover, who I thought... Cartoon Hangover is weird. I'm not sure if they're independent or if they're connected to Cartoon Network, or if they were connected to, like, Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network and then separated. I don't know what tar- Cartoon Hangover does, but... <laughs> <laughs> Be a Puppy Cat is this animated TV show that's all on YouTube and uh, on Verve, VRV also. Uh, it has a full first season and then a second season is supposed to come out soon. I don't remember when that is, but it's supposed to get one. But uh, it's very similar to a lot of cartoons, especially Steven Universe, where it is, like, directly inspired by old Magical Girl cartoons, and specifically Sailor Moon, especially for being Puppycat. But it's the story about this girl in her early 20s who's just kind of, like, your typical, like, broke, living on her own kind of cutesy girl. And then right. she, in order to make money, she has this little magical friend called a uh, puppy cat, who is this weird little cute animal that looks like a cat but smells like a dog. So they call it puppy cat. Uh, and it's heavily implied that he is like an ancient space prince who's been cursed to look like that. <laughs> but okay. yeah. It's, is it like, okay, wait, is it like Adventure Time where it's like, oh, we're going to dig into this later? Or is it like 30 Rock where it's just like kind of a joke that he's this weird elder god? It's like Adventure Time that we're going to like dig into it later. It's a okay. little bit 30 Rock sometimes because he'll just like talk about it and she'll be like, how'd you make that up? And he's like, I don't know. He also <laughs> talks like a Vocaloid, which is really interesting and also kind of annoying sometimes, but it's fine. But yeah. Right. It's the story of Bee and Puppy Cat going on these intergalactic adventures as, like, 
intergalactic, like, handymen who just, like, get little random assignments and they complete them and then they make money. So B does all this stuff just to, like, get groceries or to get some cute thing that she likes or, like, just to do anything just to make cash. And so they go on all these little misadventures. And right. as the story gets on, it gets a little bit more complex and we start getting introduced to more ideas. Like, she has a friend that she's super close to and kind of has a romantic relationship with. And she finds out that he gets accepted to culinary school, but he doesn't want to go because he wants to stay with B. So then she kind of has to, like... She has this dilemma of, like, does she, like, let him go and let him follow his dream? Or does she, like, kind of hold him back so they can be friends? And it's just this really... Right. They, it gets kind of sad and it gets kind of introspective a lot of the time. But, like, it's just a really cute show. Like, the animation is adorable. And because it's based off of Sailor Moon, it has such gorgeous colors. Like, it's got all those, like, pinks and blues and purples that's, like, only seen in 90s animation. But, yeah, it's just right. a gorgeous show. And, yeah. And that's why I really like it. Excellent. Um, my <laughs> thing this week is... Oh, god damn it! I forgot what the album is called. Hold on. <laughs> it's the new album by Vampire Weekend, which is called... Vampire Weekend Electric Boogaloo. Which is called Father of the Bride. Um, so this is Vampire Weekend's first album in a hot second. Um, they Their last album was the one that had Diane Young on it, which was like 2013, oh, I think. Oh, really? I thought um, Diane yeah, Young was been... a lot older than that. I guess not. Oh, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so this new album is... Uh, I don't know. It's just... It's a lot... It's a lot? It's a little less... I'm trying to think of how to describe it because I don't want to say it's quieter because they already have a pretty quiet sound. Yeah. It's it's a little less pop rock and a little bit more like folk inspired, I guess. Huh. It's a little bit more acoustic and a little bit less like there aren't as many bangers on it as there are on a regular Vampire Weekend yeah. album, that's what I should say. Um but it's just, it's really, it's the kind of thing that it has, like, little simple melodies that really worm your way into their head. Um, into your head, I should say. Um, <laughs> into my head? Uh, worms? Into anybody's head. In it my could, head? You could, you could put worms in anyone's head. Um, the, uh, sorry, I'm having a bad time articulating this today. Oh, welcome to my world. Good thing I do a podcast where I talk about um, media. Um, yeah. The... <laughs> Uh, there's a song called How Long, which is just this super, like, laid-back, like, low-tempo. It's not a ballad. It's just, like, this super chill-out. It's almost like a chill-hop kind of vibe, but it's just, like, indie rock sort of vibes. Um, but it, it repeats itself a lot of times, but the instrumentation is totally and completely different oh. with each repetition. Um, so they'll sing the same chorus, I think, three or four times in it, but, like, the instrumentation totally changes every single time, so you're never hearing exactly the same thing more than once. Um, and it's just a really, really catchy song that, like, totally, like, just sticks in my head forever when I listen to it. How long till we sing to the bottom of the sea? How long, how long? How long till we sing? It's only you and me How long, how long How long How long 
it's a really long album too. I think there's 17 songs on it, oh, but wow. they're all really good. Like it's a really good album, like start to finish. Um, and it's just, I don't know. I was really surprised cause I'm not a huge vampire weekend fan by default, but when this album came out, I started listening to it and I, you know, I could listen to this album through over and over again. I just, I really love it. Yeah. Um, the lead single on it is called Harmony Hall, which is sort of like, it almost has this like Jack Johnson, like early 2000s <laughs> kind of vibe, like acoustic soft rock <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. But it also has this gu- this acoustic guitar riff in it that's so like weird and idiosyncratic. It's like quintessentially Vampire Weekend. Like they still, it still feels like Vampire Weekend, but it's also very much different from their other albums. Yeah. Um, and it's, just, it's got a really, really unique sound while still feeling like the thing that you already know. We took a vow in summertime, now we find ourselves in late December. I believe that New Year's Eve will be the perfect time for their great surrender. But they don't remember. Anger wants a voice, voices want to sing. Sinners harmonize, did I can't hear anything? Thought that I was free from all that questioning. But every time a problem ends, another one begins. And the stone walls of harmony all bear witness. Anybody with a word in mind. And that's why I really like it. Wow. I had to stop myself. Cause I was when I don't know what I'm gonna talk about for my secondary thing. I kind of just like go in my room and see if there's like a book I haven't talked about or something. Right. But I was like, oh man, what can I talk about for my secondary thing? And I was like, I could just talk about Billie Eilish's new album again because <laughs> I really like it. <laughs> hey, Adelaide, do you want to hear a one-star review of Anastasia? Oh God, sure. <laughs> Uh, this review comes to us from Serafina on Letterboxd.com. She gives it one star and says, Too many historical inaccuracies for me to enjoy this even a bit. <laughs> the second that Rasputin fell into that lake, I was out of here. They had to shoot him four times. They poisoned his cake and he still went going. They didn't even give him two dicks. No, come on. Too many historical inaccuracies. God, where's the sex magic? My name's Jackson McMurray. <laughs> My name's Alan McMurray. And this has been No Nerds Allowed. There are no nerds allowed, especially if they don't know sex magic. They didn't even show one arrest in these days. <laughs> Let alone two of them. Come on, guys. Kai, wouldn't you have just lost your shit if there was a moment where you could see, like, his bulge and there were just, like, two of them? Wow, I really don't want to put that image in my brain. 